right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I am. I, I, I think, uh, really quickly, before I get to the introductory stuff, uh, I think I can definitively say best announcements I've heard in my life, right? Uh, you guys agree, right? Let's give that a round of applause. Yeah, I mean. Oh, come on. You, you gotta do, he, he, he earned his paycheck this week, I think. Um, yeah, I am, uh, I, I am Matt. I, I am a uh, new pastor here. I'm the pastor of uh, community and uh, discipleship, and I know what you all are thinking. And yes, uh, Ed and I did call each other and talk about what we were wearing today. And so, uh, rocking the green shirts. But um, it is my first uh, Sunday here, uh, preaching at least, uh, with you guys. And so I was thinking about that this week as I was preparing, and it reminded me actually of a, a story I heard uh, once of a, uh, a pastor uh, who was fresh out of seminary, and at his first church, it was a, it was a small country church, uh, but being fresh out of seminary, he thought, uh, you know what, I'm going to really impress uh, the congregation this week, and so I'm going to impress them because I'm, I'm going by uh, memorizing my sermon. I'm not going to preach with any notes, and I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to preach. And so uh, he did that. He, he worked on it all week long, uh, memorizing the stuff, and, and so Sunday came, and it was uh, time for him to preach, and he got up, and he opened up his Bible, and he looked down at it, and he was blank. Couldn't remember a single thing. And he panicked. He, he didn't know really what to do. And so uh, he just turned around and, and started to think to himself and, and trying to recall uh, what it was he worked on. And nothing was coming back. And he realized this was kind of awkward that he was standing with his back to the congregation. So he turned around really quickly and said, one moment, I'll be right there. And so he turned back around, and he was trying to go over. He's going over the scripture in his mind, and still nothing was coming back. He was completely blank. He realized again it was getting kind of awkward. So he turned around again, and he said, one moment, I'll be right there. And so he turned around again, and he just started praying. He said, God, help me. Nothing was still coming. And he realized again it was getting awkward. And so he turned around to ask for the congregation's patience just one more time. And in his excitedness, he didn't realize where he was, and he tripped over the edge of the stage and went flying into the first row uh, down below him. Uh, He landed in the lap of a little old lady that was sitting there, just beside himself embarrassed. He scurried around. He was apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she just simply raised her hand and said, no, 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 it's my fault. You told me you were coming and I didn't move. Yeah, that's my bad pastor joke for the day. Um, it's, your, uh, it's also, I heard that one time, and I thought, that's the joke I will tell on my first Sunday at every church I ever go to. And so there you go. You, you've got it. I'm not funny. Uh, that's all I've got. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is really good to be here with you guys. And so if you want to turn with me, um, as Ed said in the Word, uh, meet me there. Uh, if that looks uh, on your phone, your tablet, however it is, uh, you access it. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. And we're actually going to look at a pretty big passage in Matthew 19 uh, this morning. We're going to look at verses 16 through 30. And as you're, as you're getting there, uh, let me just kind of uh, set the framework for you, kind of give you a guide of where we're going uh, together this morning. We're actually going to uh, walk through this step by step together. So instead of me reading it and then going back over it, we're just going to walk through it progressively together because it is long. And actually, when we read this, I think a lot of times when we talk about it, when we study it, we split it into two sections. Uh, But I want to look at the whole, even though it's big, uh, this morning together, because I think as we're talking about our identity, and we're talking about, last week we talked about our identity in the gospel and in the good news of Jesus Christ and who he is, um, this passage gives us a great picture of when our identity is based in Christ, what that looks like, what that means for us, how we then live that out. And um, I love this passage. 
I, I, I love this passage because it is people being real with each other. Uh, I think as we're going to see, there's two guys asking questions of Jesus, and they are questions I think we all have, questions that we all wrestle with, questions that really drive us in our lives. And these guys ask these questions. Maybe they're questions that you and I both have, but we feel like I can't say that out loud, because if I say that out loud, what will people think of me, right? And yet they're important to us all the same. These guys have the audacity, the daringness to actually ask those questions to Jesus. But for the same reason, I love this passage. This passage passage is particularly hard for me. Because just like those guys are real with Christ, Christ is real with them right back. Uh, Jesus gives authentic, truthful answers. And the thing about Christ is, he doesn't always say what we want to hear. Because he tells us the truth. And yet the thing that we know in our lives is we need the truth. We need that for our life, and Christ shares that with us in this passage. And so I want to look at that with you this morning. So as we turn there, we'll just start in verse 16, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 19 starting off. Uh, So we're told that Jesus is teaching, and just then, as we're told, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. We'll just stop right there for a moment. So, Setting the scene, Jesus is teaching. This guy walks up to him. We're going to find out a little bit later. This guy's wealthy. He's well off, and he probably looks like it, right? And apparently, this is a question that's been on his mind. He's probably asked quite a few people, and he's heard about Jesus. He's heard that he's teaching. He's heard he's got some wisdom. He's got some answers to stuff, and he thinks, you know what? I've been asking this question to a lot of people, and I'm getting a lot of different answers, and none of them seem to be working out in my life. So, you know, I'll give it one last shot. I'll go to this guy. I'll ask Jesus, how is it that I can get eternal life? It's a question you and I all wrestle with. And maybe another way to put it, what he's really getting at is, how can I be a good person? One of the questions, maybe the question that we start off with in our lives, maybe the baseline for, for everything is, how can I be a good person? This is really the starting point for all morality and ethics in our world. As we grow up and we realize that we live in relationship to other people and the things that we do can hurt other people and they can have effects on them, if we really care to any degree whatsoever, one of the questions we will wrestle with in our life is, how can I be a good person, right? We start here. We want to be a good person, mainly, I think, a lot of times, because truthfully, we want others to think well of us, right? We would like other people to look at us and say, wow, there's a good person. That person does things that I could never do. That person is beyond me. Man, they, they've really taken care of themselves. They, they've built themselves up into something. We, we like to think that when we walk by, people think well of us, right? What's even more is, as much as some of us might deny it, we like to think that when people see us, they're glad to see us, right? They don't think, oh, shoot, here they come. Let's run, right? How do I be a good person? We want to relate well with people. And this is a really good goal to have. 
This is a great thing to aspire to in our lives. I'm telling you right now, if this is a thing that you walk around with trying to be constantly, you're on a good path. And that's what this guy's asking. Hey, Jesus, how, how is it? How can I just be a good person? And when people look at me, they think, and, and, and he's asking it because he thinks what we all think. That if we get enough people somewhere, there's some tally sheet, if enough people think we're a good person, that's got to count for something, right? That's got to equate to like eternal life or, or, or something. If, if enough people look at me and they're like, wow, that person is good. Well, Jesus has got to take that into account, right? I, I mean, you might not want to say it. You might not want to nod your head. But like somewhere along the line, we think that, right? Uh, we all think if, if, if nobody has anything ill to say to me, then what's God got to say? Jesus knows this. And he knows even more that a lot of us, we will operate on this level. And it's a good place to be. But we will never go beyond being or wanting to be just simply a good person. And so he knows this and he addresses it. Notice, he says, you know, keep the commandments. And the guy says, well, which ones, right? He's at that level. I just want to be a good person. Don't worry about the other stuff. So Jesus says, well, if you're there, if that's what you want, here's what you do. And you notice there in verse uh, verse 18, 18 and 19. The commandments he talks about, he doesn't list them all, does he? These are all commandments that are about relating to other people. And he says, if you want to be thought of well by those around you, do these things. That's how you do it. All right, cool. It's not even all the stuff he talked about, right? uh, Who has the audacity to ask Christ which ones, right? Like, which commandments should I keep, right? Because my understanding of commandments was, like, they were all commandments and, and that. But, well, which ones? I, I just, I just, uh, I really only care about what other people think of me. Nothing in there is about how he relates to God, is it? It's all about, let's just make sure people around me like me. We so often see being a good person, that role, that moniker, that title, as the best identity we can have in our life. Don't we? Like, if I can just get to that place where people think I'm that, that's the best I can do. That, I, I can't ask for any more. And, and, and so we live our lives that way. We, we actually strive for that. We actually try to do that. We, we actually build ourselves up in a way so we can say, at the end of the day, we can say, yeah, I may have screwed up on this stuff, but I still know I'm a good person, and other people think that about me too. And yet, no matter how good we get at that, don't we still feel like there's something lacking inside of us? That no matter how many people come up to us and say, oh man, I think you're great. No matter how many good things we hear through the grapevine about ourselves, it's never enough, right? But we still build ourselves up into being good people. So my question for you this morning is, how's that working for you? If that's where you're at in your life, if that's what you're aspiring to, I, I, I'm not, look, I'm not asking to be a smart aleck. I am a smart aleck, but I'm not asking to be a smart aleck. Because we all live this way. We, we've all done this. We, we, we've all strived for this thing. Uh, we, we've, either in our past or currently, we've gone beyond it, we've come back to it, right? We, we've somehow thought, this is the thing to be. This is what I should be after. And what we've also found out in our lives is, it doesn't work. No matter how good I am, I still don't feel complete, right? 
Now, I think there's a lot of reasons why we could say it doesn't work, being a good person. Why, why would something like this, why would, why would being able to attain that just still not be enough for me, right? Well, here's my theory on that. We end up having to choose what we want to be good at. So as we talk about identity, one way that we can describe identity, I think we often do in our lives and we think of ourselves, is in terms of roles, Right? And we can have an infinite number of roles that we describe ourselves by. But just to throw out a few, for example, roles such as a parent, a spouse, a co-worker, a neighbor, a student, an athlete, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You could, the list could go on for days about the roles that we can grab onto, right? What we know is there are a lot of roles and not a single one of them. Like I could tell you today, if I just named three of you that are important to me, I could tell you I'm a parent, I'm a husband, and I'm a pastor. Not a single one or do all three together completely define me though. Do you see that? That there are things about me that being a parent, a husband, and a pastor don't even begin to touch about who I am and what I was created to be. But here's the deal. There's a lot of stuff that I need to be good at to be a good person then. And that feels heavy. Because I also know I don't have the ability to be good at everything. That that's a lot of plates for me to keep spinning. It's a lot of balls to juggle, and I am not good at juggling. And, but I feel the weight of, of trying to be this. Of trying, I, I feel like this... Like this man coming to Jesus, what do I have to be to be good? And Jesus says, just even these things. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd even get that list right a lot of times. I haven't killed anybody yet, but the other stuff I struggle with sometimes. Right? And I think it doesn't work because we end up having to choose one of two things. When we know, when we realize how complex, how intricate we are, To try to be a good person, to be good at everything, we either first choose to add more rules to our life. Just more regimen, more habits, more more good practices into our life. This is what the Pharisees did, right? God gave them a law and said, if you follow this, you'll be good. And the Pharisees said, that's not enough. We need more rules. Because even that stuff doesn't, doesn't deal with all the situations in our life. And so we add more and more rules into our life to keep us and make us good in all the areas that incorporate who we are. You know what that sounds like to me? And I say this because I've tried to do it. It sounds exhausting, right? To have all these different things. And, and how can I be good at all of it? And so you know what we do then? Because it is exhausting? Our second option is to give up the idea that we'll be good at everything and just choose a few things that matter to us. So in my life, I say, I want to be a good husband. If I can be a good husband, that will make me a good person. And you say, yeah, but Matt, you haven't been that great of a son. I say, oh, that's okay. Because that's an area of my life. I just haven't been able to do that. I don't have the power to do that. But I've been a good husband, and that should make up for it. At least I think it should. It's like, yeah, well, maybe. But what about your parents? How do they feel? Do they see you as a good person, as a good son? What about your relationship with them? Do do you see how this is impossible for us to do, and and yet we strive for it? No matter how well we do it, we can never quite attain it. And even when we feel like we're doing well at it, it's still not enough. I just use that as an example. I'm an awesome son. So um, 
It's not a real life example. Um, so we get fed up like this man was. We get fed up and it just, it seems so hard to do and even when we do it, it doesn't, see, it doesn't give us what we wanted. And, and so we say, this isn't working. There's got to be something more, right? The good news is Jesus says, yeah, there is. As we read on, the man in response to Christ, he says, all these I, I have kept talking about those commandments. What do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I've done all these. I'm a good person. It doesn't feel like enough. What am I missing out on? Right? What he's asking is, how can I have a good life? I don't just want to be thought of well. And this might seem backwards to you at first. It did to me, right? We would think, like, the first question would be, how do I have a good life? That's the self-centered one. I, I, I want to be rich. I want to have all that stuff, good life, the nice cars, all those things. And then, uh, then I'll get to, once I get that, then I'll be a good person. But really what he's asking and what he's talking about, this is what we get to, is how do I have a life that goes beyond here and now? How do I have a life that counts for something? How do I have a life that's, that matters more than just people think well of me? Right? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you wondered that? If, you, if you've gotten fed up with just trying to be a good person, I guarantee you have. It doesn't matter. Who cares what people think of me? I actually want to have a real impact, a real meaning, a real purpose for who I am. There's got to be something better than just simply being good and getting eternal life. And Christ says there is. What does he say there? He says in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, stop right there. Just like, whoa, Jesus, let's slow down a second here. I was asking about being good, and then you ramp it up to perfect. And that's scary, right? Because if I have a hard enough time being good, how in the world can I be perfect? I, I was trying to do this and wasn't doing it well. What in the world are you talking about now, right? It's a scary thought. It's a scary idea. It's a word we don't like. And it's a word that in the Greek they wrestled with quite a bit. Uh, and they talked about this. Philosophers debated a lot of times. And Aristotle, the philosopher, he actually tried to come up with a definition where he said that something that is perfect, it's something beyond which there is no further advance in excellence or quality in its class. You can't get better. It lacks nothing of its own excellence. Another way to talk about this idea, what Jesus is saying is, if you want to be complete, if you want to be fulfilled in your life, here's what you do. And this is good news. Because normally it's at this point of the discussion that when we say, you know, I've done all these things, sitting across from another person, I've done all this stuff, and it just doesn't still feel like enough that the person would throw up their hands and say, what can I tell you? Me too. I don't know. And here at the depth of who he is, being just bare and authentic and open, this guy says, 
I need to know if there's something more. And instead, Jesus says, there is. Come and follow me. Come follow me. That in following Jesus Christ, everything that you are and that you were made to be comes into completeness and fulfillment in him. That if you devote yourself and commit your life to following after Christ, to going with him where he is going, there is nothing that you will lack. This is awesome. This is, should be, the best thing that you guys have heard your entire week. Because what Christ is doing here is simplifying the whole thing. We live in a way where we think it's our job to make sure and balance every aspect of our life. And there are just going to be some things that we don't get a handle on. And they're just going to have to be over there. And we're going to be exhausted just trying to keep this stuff in order and make sure everything's in its proper place. And keeping those things up in the air and all that stuff. And we run ourselves ragged. And Jesus says, forget all of that stuff. Follow me. Focus on me. Come with me. Christ is inviting you and me to share in his life. To go where he is going. To do what he is doing. To be blessed. To get to be a part of the mission of Jesus Christ. And that that is where you will find the completeness you have been searching for and have not been able to find. Just come and follow me. Simple. Easy. Awesome. I need this in my life because I'm not good at juggling. I'm not good at balancing multiple things all at the same time that demand different things from me. But if you let me focus, if you let me watch him, and then trusting that in walking with him, that following him, all these things in my life that matter to me and don't matter to me come into alignment Because while you might only care about a few areas of who you are and how you relate to other people and how you relate to God, God cares about all the areas of your life. And in following him, he deals with all of them. He transforms them. He does things in your life that you never would have imagined possible simply by coming and following me. He simplifies it. It's like the best news ever. But it's also challenging. As great as this is, and we want to go running off and we say, this is going to be amazing. Jesus also says, though, hey, hang on a second. There is a cost to this, though. Even just right here with this young man, right? He says, if you want to be perfect, what? Don't just come and follow me. He just says, go sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, right? Like, ouch, that hurts. That's challenging. Jesus is literally saying to him, everything that you look at as a blessing from God, everything that you look at to point to and say, this is why I'm good because I have these things in my life. This is evidence of God's work in my life. Jesus says, hey, forget all that stuff and just come with me. We don't like doing that. We don't like letting go of our stuff. We don't like letting go of the blessings in our life. We don't like all of our eggs being in one basket, do we? And yet Jesus says, That's the challenge. That's what's difficult. 
And he does this time and time again in the Gospels, right? Uh, just take Matthew, for example. Every time that Christ offers the invitation to come with him, it's also met with a challenge. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What this says to me is Christ is going to take me places I don't want to go. He's going to ask me to do things I don't want to do. He's going to take me out into deep waters because that's where the fish are, where I can't rely on myself and he's the only thing I can cling to. And I'm going to feel out of my element and beyond my depth. He's going to say, come on, this is where we're going. He also says, follow me and let the dead bury their own. It's a hard teaching. He said, there are responsibilities in your life, things that you care about, and there are going to be times that following me is oppositional to those things. What is primary? What is truly your identity? And if it's a fo- as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to ask you to choose. Maybe the hardest of them all in Matthew 16, just a couple chapters before this one, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Die to yourself daily, denying what it is that you would rather do and go with him. The amazing thing is, is Jesus wants to share his life with you and me, but he also says it's going to cost something. And this is hard. This is why this passage is hard. Because he's real with us. He is up front telling you, this is a cost. This is where it's going. But one of the things I've found in my life, at least, is that anybody, any coach or teacher or athletic trainer that's worth anything, when you first meet with them and tell them what you want to do, what your hopes are, where you want to go, they will sit down with you and they will say, look, this is where I can take you. This is what we can do together. These are the amazing things that can be a result of our, us having a relationship as teacher and student. But I'm going to tell you this right now. There's a cost to pay. It's going to be hard. It's going to require work and time and effort. And it might be a price that you don't want to pay. And so you need to know from the get-go, are you willing to pay that price? And we don't like to hear that, right? I mean, we like everybody to sit down and say, I can make you into a great musician. It's like, awesome. I'm going to go watch TV now. That's right. There's always a cost to pay. And what I found in my life is the people that are willing to sit down with you and tell you the cost up front, they do that because they know what you get out of it is greater than what you have to give up for it. And they're willing to sit down with you and be real with you. So that way, you know what you're getting into and you also know it's worth it. I've learned in my life, push into those people. Don't run away from them. And Jesus always does this with us. He is always telling us about the cost of following after him. Because Christ knows that in him is where we're meant to be. And it is worth everything we have to give up to do it. Christ is asking us, inviting us, offering us to share in his life, to come with him. But he also wants to make sure you're ready for the journey that's ahead. That you know what's going to come about. 
It's because of this sometimes we don't grab onto that, right? We're told that this young man, he goes away sad, right? It, it says there in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And I was thinking about this and I realized that real, true despair comes when we finally know the hope we've been looking for and yet we're still not willing to grab it. He had a hole in his soul that he could not fill with all of the good actions and thoughts and practices in his life. And he comes along and he finally find the, finds the guy who has the answer. Sell everything, leave all of that stuff behind, come follow me. He's finally found what he knows he needs. And he says, I don't think I can go there. That's what despair looks like. Christ is pleading with us. He's saying, don't settle for less than what you were made for. You weren't simply made to be a good person. You were made to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You were made to share in his life, to go to the people that he would go to, to share the good news of the gospel, to proclaim it to the masses, to do things that you would never have imagined doing, and simply being a good person, simply being a good student, a good friend, doesn't even begin to touch the tip of the iceberg for what he has in store for your life as a follower of his. Don't settle for less. And if you're walking around today and you just feel as though you're missing something, I guarantee you, and it's because I've been there, you're trying to make yourself into something you can't be all the while missing the very thing that's been offered to you. To just simply be a follower of Jesus. What you're looking for, what, what your life is about, what you're seeking, what you're trying to get under your own power, it's all found in Jesus and following him. So this is great for me to preach on as the new pastor here of uh, community and uh, discipleship. Because... Um, I think I can say, Ed will correct me later if I'm wrong, but pretty definitively, this is why we are not trying to make you guys into better moms and dads, better boyfriends and girlfriends, better friends, better coworkers, better neighbors. What our hope is, what we want for you all, is to be better followers of Jesus Christ, who in turn go and make followers of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that there is nothing greater you can do with your life than follow after Jesus Christ. And that as great as being a good parent can be and is, it doesn't even begin to get at what being a good follower of Jesus is. And we also believe that in following after Christ, all those other roles and areas of our life that we don't even think about, they come into place because Jesus cares about those in our life even more than we do. It's in him all the balls that we're trying to juggle and all these things that we're trying to be good at. They come to rest in him. And we should too. And this sounds good. and It's an off, awesome invitation. We want to believe this. As Ed was praying about earlier, the, the, the things that we talk about and we hear, it's like, man, that sounds good. But, but do I really believe it? Because I, I know some things. I have some objections. I, I have some questions, actually. And, and the great thing, what I was saying about this passage that I love is the very same questions that you and I have 
are asked here, and Jesus answers those for us. And so let me share with you just really quickly two objections uh, that I see going on that I think you might be wrestling with. And so let me try to answer them as, as Christ does here. Here in verse 25, so after, after Christ you know, says all this stuff and everything, it says that when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Really the question that they're asking is, is it even possible? So is this possible? Is it possible to have the good life? Because I know in my life, I've tried to be a good person. I don't feel like I'm doing a great job at that. And you're telling me that the next step is to follow Jesus. So if I can't get this thing right, how am I going to get this thing right? Is it even possible? And putting this a little bit in context, letting you know where this question is coming from for the disciples, in their culture, even their religion of that day. uh, For them, one of the greatest signs of God's blessing, meaning that you were doing it right, was that you were wealthy. God blessed you by giving you money. And so when this guy comes along and he's wealthy, there's one thing. But then also, we'll just take his word for it, he was following the commandments that Jesus talked about. We're not going to question whether or not he was just arrogant or or that sort of thing. But he was following those commandments. So the disciples look at this guy, and there's nothing to point to to say, man, he's got illness in his life, he's got death, he's he's poor. Apparently he's done something wrong, right? They look at him and they're like, here is the dude. Like, if anybody is getting into heaven, if anybody is good, if anybody is able to have the good life, it should be him. And yet he goes away sad from Christ. And so if this guy can't do it, is it even possible? We can feel like this is all too much for us. And so we just say, you know what? The best I can hope for, again, is to be a good person. And so, but yet, let's hear what Jesus says. Jesus then answers them. He looks at them. I read this this morning and it hit me. Like Jesus isn't drawing in the sand here. He looks at these guys, right? This is intense. Jesus wants them to know how much he really means this. And he says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus says it's all about what you attach yourself to. My daughter Eden is, uh, is three. And, but if you ask Eden, uh, she's five. And uh, I think the reason for that is, is that one of Eden's uh, best friends recently turned five. And, um, and that was about the time that Eden was like realizing what birthdays were all about and age and stuff like that. And so Eden now is five uh, because her friend is five. And um, whenever she says she's five, Hannah always corrects her and says, no, you're three. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? If she wants to be five, that's just two less years she's in the house. We're free sooner. Um, but um, if she wants to think she's five, let her be five. Um, but she's five. Because since Eden was born, she's like her dad, and so she's always wanted to be one of the big kids. She's always wanted to play with the big kids. She's never been intimidated by them. In fact, she gets in with like, much older kids and starts bossing them around. And so Eden's always been one of the big kids. She's also always wanted to be part of like the grown-up conversation. My wife and I cannot have a conversation in the car without Eden trying to interject and be a part of the conversation. And so we talk about Disneyland a lot because that's what she likes to talk about. But my daughter wants to be bigger than she is. She aspires to that. And what we've actually noticed is because she wants that so bad, she's actually pretty good about playing with older kids. She actually raises the level of what she's able to do because she wants this so much. 
But you know what the thing is, no matter how good she does that, she's still doing it in her own power. And there comes a time when she gets tired and she needs a nap and her being three shows up. And she gets fussy and she gets cranky and all that stuff, right? She's still doing it in her own power. There's a lot of ways that you and I try to do these things. We try to be a good person. We try to have the good life, right? And we try to do it outside of God. And no matter how much you may think you're getting something from elsewhere other than God, I'm guaranteeing you, it's still you're doing it out of your own power. It's impossible apart from God. And if you, if you don't believe me, let me just make the case really quickly. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1, we're pretty much told there's two categories. We're told at the beginning, there was God, right? So there's God, category number one. And then we're told, God goes on a six-day creation binge, and he creates everything, right? And, at the, and so we have category number two, creation. Creator, created. We're told at the end of that, six days, God creates humanity. And we're also told that, like, humanity, you and me, we are like the pinnacle of creation. Like, God looks at that and says, boom, there it is. I'm done. Right? Yet, as we're trying to be something we know that we cannot be by ourselves, we look at other things, nature, our work, our family, and we try to draw out of that what we think will help us to have the good life. We try to draw out of creation what only God can give us. So let me ask you a question. What do you think you can get out of, let's just say, nature that's not already in you? Sure, it might inspire you. It might give you something for a little while, but I guarantee you it's still you. It's still out of your own power. And so the only place we can go, what Jesus is saying, for something outside of ourselves, something beyond us, something beyond our limits, is God and God alone. He's the only thing. So is it even possible? Well, yeah, it's possible, but only with Jesus Christ, only following after Jesus Christ, only attaching yourself to him and going where he goes. He says, come, follow me. If you, if the thing that does not describe you the most is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are still working out of your own power, just trying to be better. And at some point, you're going to need a nap. Okay? So you're asking yourself, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible, but only with God, only following after him. The second objection is, I think, the best one. The one I ask, the one I think we all ask. Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Is it even worth it, Peter asked. I mean, yeah, this sounds good, but like you're, you're saying we're going to have to give up a lot. So is it even worth it? Well, how's Jesus answer him? He says this. 
It says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. I, I don't know if you know the story, but sometime before this, the, uh, they were walking on the road, and Jesus hears uh, the disciples arguing behind him, and he turns around and he asks them what the deal is. And uh, they were arguing about who was the greatest and who got to sit at Jesus' right hand in heaven. That there was one throne, and one of them would get to sit at his right hand. And so Peter then asks this question after Jesus talking about all that it's going to take and, and what it means to follow after him. And he says, is it worth it? And you know what Christ says? There's not just one throne, but there is 12 thrones. A throne for each of you. That, that the idea of what God wants to do and how he wants to bless them is so far beyond what they could ever imagine that they should just stop thinking about it and follow after him and not worry about it. And that's because the thing that you and I need to know, that we need to live out, that we need to lean into in our lives, is that God's dreams for you and me are bigger than our dreams for ourselves. No matter what you want, what you aspire to, what you're hoping to attain, what you think you can get out of this life, I guarantee you, God has more in store for you. He wants more for you. He wants to see and reap more blessings upon you. So he says, stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to make your life good so you can get this stuff and just leave it up to me and come on, let's go. Ask anyone who has done this. Ask anyone who is trying to live this way and they will tell you beyond a doubt, it is always better to give your life to Jesus Christ and let that be your identity than trying to be a good parent or anything else that you could ever aspire to. Stop thinking your grades define you. Let Jesus Christ do that. I have personal experience with this. Um, I think we all in our lives, I, I, I think we start out and we believe that our parents know everything. Like our parents, dad's Superman, mom can do anything, that sort of thing, right? And, and then at some point, probably middle school, high school or so, like we think our parents know nothing, Right? And then there comes a place later in our life where we find out they don't know everything and they don't know nothing. It's somewhere in between, and we find out what that really is, right? I, I can remember uh, how that happened for me. I, I think I was a freshman in high school, and I was having a discussion with my dad. And um, I, I, I come from a, a family of pastors. It's kind of the family business. And so um, my dad was a pastor, and we were talking. And uh, my, my dad was actually, he was pastoring a church, uh, working part-time uh, to, to, make, to make ends meet, and then also getting his doctorate degree all at the same time. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how he did it. Um, but we were talking, and, and, and somehow we got on uh, the subject of something in Scripture, and, and sitting there and talking to my dad about it, my dad went through a passage in Scripture without even anything in front of him and just started talking about it, line by line, verse by verse then told me what certain Greek words were, and then told me what the Latin was, and all that stuff and everything. And it hit me while we were talking. My dad might be a genius. I, 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 I had no clue. This was like such a leap from my dad knows nothing. And, and so 
my dad might be a genius. And, and so as we kept talking, I just kept realizing like, how truly smart my dad was. And um, I realized two things that day. I realized that my dad was smart enough that my dad could have been anything, done anything, been as, success, as successful as he wanted to be as far as money, business, any of that stuff goes. But instead he was a pastor and having to work part-time at Sears. Well, what was that all about? Second thing I decided that day was I was not going to be a pastor. There was no way I was going to struggle like that. I was going to have money. I was going to be rich. I was actually, my, my plan was for a long time to be a lawyer, and you can see how that worked out for me. Um, it was a couple years, a few years ago as I was getting into ministry, um, I, I was talking to my dad again. And there were some things that happened while my dad was a pastor, some stuff that was, you know, done to them that was pretty, pretty rough. You, you hear horror stories from time to time about uh, things like that, and it's, it's not pretty, it's not a, uh, it's not a good look, um, but it happens. And if you ever hear about those sorts of things, like with pastors and stuff, it, it happened to my dad. They kind of wrote the book on it. Uh, and so I was talking to him about that, because him and my mom kind of, they, they, they kept that from us. We, I knew some of what was going on. So I, I, being on this other side of things, and I, I just asked him about those things. And one of the questions I asked him was, did you ever think it wasn't worth it? Did you ever want to just give up? And he said, no. So first and foremost, I knew it was what God wanted me to do. But then he started talking about, after all those things that he had talked about and that had been done to him and happened, he also started talking about the things that had happened in his life that if it hadn't been for following Jesus and answering the call to be a pastor and living that way, things he's seen, things he's been able to be a part of, and how God has blessed his life beyond what he could have ever imagined. He said, yeah, it's been hard, but not for a moment have I ever thought it's not worth it. Ask anybody, ask any pastor, ask any missionary, ask anybody that is trying to live for Jesus, following after him and him alone, is it worth it giving up all that stuff? And they will all tell you it is so worth it. I think the reason why we're always up here trying to say this to you guys is because we're trying to do it and we're seeing God's blessings in ways in our life that we never would have imagined. And yeah, we joke around about the hardships and we joke around about how things would be different and all that sort of stuff, but there is not a person that has given their life that knows that their whole identity is wrapped up in being a follower of Jesus Christ that would ever for a moment tell you it might not have been worth it. We want so much more for you here than to simply be good. To simply be good at a few things. To simply be good at relationships with a few people. We want you guys to know how awesome it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can want more for anyone else. And God wants that for you too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the hope that we have that it is possible and that it is worth it. Christ, if, if there are those objections in our lives, if we're thinking those things, would you give us the strength and the courage to, to voice them in our hearts? But Father, would you also meet us with your mercy and would you answer them? And Lord, would we follow you and seek after you in a way that we haven't done so to this point? Lord, we ask for you to come. We're relying on you. Thank you for your love and your mercy in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
might sound weird uh, to say that we don't want you to be uh, better moms and dads, better uh, husbands and wives, better students. Uh, it's not that at all. Uh, I know in my own life personally, the times that I have grown into being a better husband or a better student wasn't when I was focused on those things. It was when I was focused on Jesus Christ. It's through him that our life is made complete, that we find full fulfillment. And we want that for you guys as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your love and grace, Lord, that in you we find everything we need. And Lord, while there may be things tugging at us, things that we want to be good at, Lord, would we give those up for the sake of following after you, knowing that when we trust in you, you are all of the answers that we need. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We pray, I pray for each one of us here that as we go out this week, that our goal, our life would be defined by, we would know that our main role, our main identity is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's in your name, it's in your hope, it's in your love we rest, and it's in your power we trust. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we proclaim victory. Amen. Go this week to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great week.